Duck Creek Technologies, it's Conversations on the Creek, the podcast series where we interview thought leaders about how the latest insure tech is transforming the PNC insurance industry. Whether you work in underwriting, sales and marketing, claims, or an insurer's IT department, in each episode, we uncover the insights you need to reimagine the future of insurance. I'm Rob Savitsky. And I'm Scott Field. And in today's episode, we're so pumped to be joined by none other than Bob Breinart, Principal in the Microsoft Azure Artificial Intelligence Engineering Organization, who's here to share his perspective on leveraging ChatGPT and other OpenAI models across various insurance use cases and their impact on personalizing the customer experience. Microsoft enables digital transformation for the era of an intelligent cloud and intelligent edge. Its mission is to empower every person in every organization on the planet to achieve more. Bob, so glad we're able to catch up with you here today. Welcome to the show. How are you? Hey, I'm doing great. It's great to be here. Thank you very much. Yeah, I'm glad yeah, I'm... we're able to connect. Sorry, Scott, you were saying? Oh, no, I'm, I'm glad you're here, Bob. I hope to, to learn something that I think the topics of conversation we're going to talk about people are asking me about all the time. And it's uh, great to hear from you. Oh, yeah. Very, very exciting dynamic time right now. I mean, all I see and read in the news is what I'm working on. So it's a very busy time, but I'm really pleased to be here today. That's for sure. I know it took a while for us to connect, but I think the, the chat GPT, uh, you know, version four coming out just a couple of days ago, fortuitous timing for when we're recording here today. Exactly. And I think our listeners will appreciate hearing it next month. And uh, yeah, I should add, Scott, welcome back to the show. I think you were actually my first guest back when we were talking about running evergreen SaaS technologies, SaaS core systems, still an evergreen episode for, for listeners, if you want to go back and check that out from two years ago. But today, we're, we're here, we're talking chat GPT and Azure AI, um, or OpenAI models. So yeah, to start things off, Bob, um, we'd love to hear more about, or love to learn about your role at Microsoft. And uh, could you maybe explain a little bit about Azure, Microsoft's um, investment in chat GPT? I know that you, know, you guys have put $10 billion into OpenAI and you've got a strategic partnership with them. Could you maybe go through what that relationship encompasses and uh, what you're doing with them. Yeah, sure. Um, so in terms of my role, I'm part of what's called the Microsoft AI platform engineering team. You know, so we are the organization that actually builds uh, all of the AI models that you know, our uh, you know, tens of thousands of customers around the world use. That includes machine learning. It includes cognitive services for things like search and uh, translation. And it also includes the Azure OpenAI service, which uh, we're spending a lot of time on because it is the number one strategic priority of Microsoft, you know, to embody AI in all of our products and give it to all of our customers. So me, I run uh, product planning. Uh, for Azure OpenAI service, as well as you know, the majority of time is spent by my organization really engaging with customers and partners, you know, uh, software companies like, like Duck Creek, you know, ISVs that are industry specific, and getting them to deploy OpenAI models in their production environments, building it into their applications. So that's what we do day in and day out is work directly with customers and partners. Awesome. Awesome. Good to, good to hear. So Chat GPT all over the news these days, and um, you know, outside of insurance, uh, just wow. I, I, I mean, what, what's happened in the last few months, I think, has been pretty awesome. Uh, you know, I think most, hopefully, a lot, a lot of our listeners have checked it out before. But I mean, the use cases are are just so broad, and uh, just you know, anything from hearing about Chat GPT passing the bar, 
medical exam. Uh, you know, I was asking it to write a song in the, in the spirit of, of Snoop Dogg and Eminem, and it, it cranked out some verses pretty quickly. It's just, it's ability to follow up with you is just so, so human and so real, like compared to, um, you know, the, the chat pots of old that it's, uh, um, you know, I think really something that the people have uh, appreciated and, and want to learn more about. So, uh, yeah, just to kick it off, could you maybe break down in, in layman's terms and, and to anyone who, who's not aware, uh, you know, what exactly is chat GPT? Yeah, no, that, that's a great thing. So if you take a look at, um, you know, the world of AI that we're in right now, <clears throat> we're entering a new realm. We call models as platforms. And these large language models, you know, are, are being used for a wide variety of purposes. You look at uh, Microsoft's announcement yesterday of the sort of the Office 365 co-pilot. It's being embedded into core products like Office 365 and Bing Search. It's also being brought uh, into commercial use to enable, you know, companies, uh, insurance companies, you know, carriers, as well as software companies that support them to incorporate these AI models into their applications. And so, uh, you know, OpenAI's models and, and, you know, at Microsoft, we're fortunate enough to be their exclusive partner in bringing these to uh, enterprise customers uh, is right. really divided up into three categories and, uh, and a fourth we call multimodal. So, so generally these, uh, these models are used for language processing. They're used to generate code, generate images, you know, as well as the new category, uh, multimodal, doing things like unifying language and vision, language encoding. So, uh, these models are becoming increasingly more powerful and being used in a wide variety of applications. Applications that do document summarization that will write code for you. GitHub Copilot, which is available worldwide, is an example of that. You know, we also see, you know, very specialized things. And ChatGPT, it's interesting. It's gotten all the press. However, ChatGPT is one of many models that OpenAI has produced. It happens to be extremely effective at uh, doing conversational AI and doing related things like summarizing documents and writing poems and music, but all through that chat interface. So it is really the canonical example of doing what our customers and partners are doing all over the world to build this into an application. It just so happens that OpenAI you really hit a home run in terms of building something that resonates with everyone, which is interacting with a bot, which has not been a very good experience uh, per se. You know, OpenAI has made this, you know, sort of like the talk of the town because everyone's really frustrated with the qualities of the bots that they are working with. And it really brings a more human element to it. The information that's being delivered is much more relevant and strategic uh, and, and pertinent to the questions that are being raised. Great perspective. So, so a lot of the, the concepts in the, in the use cases that the models are solving ha have been around for a while. It just seems like this time that there's, there's a higher quality of output. It just seems more finished and, and, and more usable in ChatGPT and, and the rest of the OpenAI models. Can you talk a little bit about, let's say, like what's, what's different this time? Is it just the ability to harness more data? Are, are there a lot of algorithmic breakthroughs? Like how is this different than the hype train that, that on AI last year, two years ago, or three years ago? Yeah, no, that's a great question, Scott. It's a couple of key things. You know, one is models are inherently uh, much more powerful. You know, if you take a look at the GPT-3 uh, Da Vinci model, 175 billion parameters, massive corpus of information from the public internet, book repositories. They're inherently very intelligent 
because there's massive amounts of data that are going in and training. It's sort of like the difference between an elementary school student and someone who has a PhD from MIT. Massive information in the uh, in the AI's brain, so to speak. Um, so you know, there's there's much less work that needs to be done to train these models to basically do what you want them to do. Uh, you know, in the insurance industry, there's a lot of information about you know on insurance in the, on the public internet. These models come in extremely smart about you know intricacies of uh, the business of the people that are listening to this right now. Versus in classical machine learning and bots, uh, you know, the generation of bots that were even around last year, you had to train them specifically, uploading information into the model so it can learn about the insurance industry. So that's the first thing. Um, the second thing is these models can be grounded in today's information. You know, you can basically take a, you know, a relatively easy technique, and we could get into it in detail. This is how I spend my time, called prompt engineering, where you're injecting information, very specific information. You know, so if you are, you know, one particular company and you have certain terminologies, parlance, ways of speaking, you can sort of customize the model quite easily. You know, very different from in the past where you had to have data scientists you know, doing uh, very detailed model training. So these models can be e much more easily adapted to pick up your particular company's uh, information and style. And then related to that, um, you know, the, these models can be used very effectively, uh, you know, to deliver the information in the style and in the, in, in the quality that you want it to. You know, we call that metaprompting. You know, you not only give it information on what it, you want it to uh, talk about, but the style of the bot. And, you know, like these models, you know, especially with ChatGPT and GPT-4, you, you basically tell them, I need you to be uh, an insurance-oriented bot. I need you to be highly competent, friendly, uh, you know, but very, very tightly constrained to only answering questions about our company products. You can use these particular data sources. You, know, you can use our repository of products. You can use our risk analysis algorithms. You can use our claims database. You know, you cannot, however, use information uh, that is on one, two, three, these data sources. So you tell it how to act, what its persona is, the data sources, and then you also can instruct it on safety. You know, you need to be very safe and you need to stay away from any kind of controversial topics. Once that's done, then you feed it examples, you know, from your company information. So these techniques you know, which used to be very esoteric, complex, and required data science can be done by general cloud practitioners, you know, people like myself that aren't professional developers. So what comes out? A bot that is extremely powerful, has amazing conversational capabilities, and has high degree of relevance and empathy, because that's the way you tell it to be. It is what you want it to be, and it also does, uh, it, it doesn't do what you don't want it to do, and it does it safely because there's built-in safety controls that are brand new with these types of technologies. Got it. So, uh, so you're starting to allude to some of the use cases in insurance, and I'd love to take the conversation there. What, uh, yeah, what, what are some potential use cases where you think ChatGPT can help insurers, uh, you know, provide more personalized customer experiences? Yeah, no, that's a great that's a great question. So I'm just kind of kind of run through about you know six categories that we see, and then I'm going to talk in detail in two areas. I call on enhancing the customer experience, which is also reducing opex and also revenue generation. So here's what we're really seeing insurance right now. You know, it's really about you know enhancing the policyholder experience. You know, claims processing automation, fraud detection, really empowering agents to make 
very good decisions. Uh, also a natural language processing document analysis. And then the third is accessibility and language translation. It's basically, you know, your uh, customers uh, basically represent hundreds of company, uh, hundreds of countries around the world. It's incorporating translation capabilities uh, to, you know, make it easier for, uh, for policyholders to communicate with agents, that type of thing. Okay, so let's kind of go into these, uh, these categories here. So in enhancing the customer experience, uh, the first one that we see majors is really enhancing that policyholder experience. Let's say you have a mobile app on your phone and you know you do have an automobile accident. Um, you wanna be able to have that customer have an end-to-end -end AI enabled experience where they can utilize uh, speech to text capabilities of let's say the OpenAI Whisper model to translate that text into uh, that speech into text. You can do translation if the models are much more effective in English, which they are, you can use the translation capabilities of the OpenAI models. Uh, you know, you can basically, uh, as, a, as the insurance uh, carrier, you can uh, summarize that conversation. You can analyze it to determine risk. You know, was there, uh, you know, uh, significant damage to the vehicle? Were there injuries? Were the police called? Did an ambulance come on? You can pull all these uh, things called, you know, these uh, keywords through entity extraction and use that to analyze risk. Do I have risk of a massive claim in a lawsuit? Uh, and then you can actually use the AI to generate a response back to the customer real time onto their mobile phone when they're at the scene of the accident. All this is available through one class of models, the open AI models, uh, the translation, the summarization, the entity extraction, all that can be done very, very uh, carefully to really enhance that customer experience. Oh, and by the way, you can really reduce OPEX. So policyholder experience is, is huge right now. And we're working with uh, companies, you know, really around the world uh, on, on this right now. Right. Um, the second is really about call center automation. And this is really probably the most widely uh, deployed use, set of use cases right now. Um, you know, where the, all these capabilities I talked about earlier can be applied to either transcripts of conversations or inbound emails. But really what you can do here is these models have an ability to do basic functions like classification and sentiment. So, you know, you can, if you have an inbound uh, email, uh, you can use entity extraction and classification to determine which product is this related to and then route it to the appropriate uh, agents that are really trained up on this. Uh, you can interface it with your CRM system to say, oh, here is my, my top 50 largest clients. I'll send it to the A-team. Uh, you can use sentiment analysis. I'm going to prioritize customers that are very frustrated. Um, and then you can go in and take that transcript or that email and summarize it. And you can do the same things that I talked about earlier. You know, do uh, named entity recognition and then extraction to basically pull out keywords to look at areas of risk and legal liability. Um, you can pull that information out and you can determine, did the agent actually solve the problem, you know, by looking at that transcript? What were the key uh, issues that were raised? What is the nature of the claim? What is the damage? And then what are the action items? And then all the agent has to do is press a button and out comes a letter that can be, uh, you know, which summarizes all of this back to uh, the policyholder. And you can drive that through the bot, like I was talking about earlier in terms of a mobile experience. So, you know, probably the most widely deployed use of OpenAI in the insurance industry is that it's contact center automation. Again, very strong way to decrease OPEX. A couple of things real quick, uh, claims process automation. 
uh, and fraud detection. You know, using OpenAI to basically look at the you know and recognize patterns which may in- indicate a fraudulent claim. We see that quite a bit going on right now. Um, real quick, revenue generation completely the other side of the spectrum. Um, let's say there is a, uh, a storm. This is a, a use case I came up with. I don't see anyone doing this, but it is certainly uh, is possible. So uh, you use AI basically um, because you, you can combine these AI models with search. So you have algorithms set up to detect natural uh, disaster events. Let's say there's a tornado swarm that hits uh, some community uh, in the United States. You can pull that information through search you can analyze it, you can then uh, determine who your policyholders are, and you can send out over text messages, you know, please, if you've been impacted by this event, because you know where your people are, right, relative to where the tornado swarm is, and then you can send them an automated uh, email message, you know, that if you have a claim associated with this, you know, please contact, you know, our specialized call center that's set up for this. So there's this rapid event response uh, that, that, that uh, can be possible. Uh, on the other end of the spectrum, you can hyper-personalize. You know, you can basically uh, take and and if you have a direct mail campaign or you have, uh, you know, interactions with customers, you can personalize the responses that you send them, you know, to fit the culture of the country you're working in or in the demographic if you're in uh, a U.S. carrier, you know, that you'll, you'll structure the responses different in the Northeast or the Southeast or the Western United States. Last thing I'll bring up is revenue generation. You can do what I call rapid response marketing, where if you recognize a trend in the industry, you can rapidly take that information, uh, you know, just generated through search, like Azure Cognitive Search, and you know, bring that into your models and rapidly uh, generate marketing content that's very focused on that emerging trend that let's say you identify in social media. And, uh, and then you can bring in images using the DALI model to make sure that the images in your campaign resonate with the demographics of your user community. So there's, I could go on forever, but, you know, the, the applications of this are, are relatively, uh, they're limitless. You know, we see use cases coming in all the time that are brand new, especially with GPT-4, which is multimodal. It brings in, um, you know, multiple capabilities. So these use cases will, will expand and proliferate you know, dynamically over the next six months as people pick up these new models and use them in their businesses. Right. Thanks for that, Bob. And I think, you know, what you're saying is it's more than just the chatbot aspect of it itself. You know, you were talking about other use cases of the open AI models. And I think kind of one thing uh, implicit that I picked up on as you're talking about these things is that it's not necessarily that uh, this is replacing humans entirely. You know, and I think in almost all those examples you're talking about, there was some work that is being done by the the, the chatbot, but um, you know those high value adjusters, your A team, getting them involved in in the claim and still being able to process it is still part of it. So it sounds like um, you know OpenAI ChatGPT is there to really help enable and just and make those workers more more productive in what they need to do. Yeah, it's making them more productive and it's allowing them to use you know um, you know the more value add portions of their job. So there's less time you know typing in a transcript and more time really thinking through, did, did I solve this customer's problem? Did I help them get them on path to resolution? Did I give them peace of mind? Uh, you know, and it's also giving, you know, customers real-time access to information. You know, you no longer have to call your agent, you know, or call the, uh, the toll-free number. You can use your mobile app, you know, and interact with an avatar, you know, with, uh, you know, a, a character that has the persona of exactly what you want to project, you know, uh, 
quiet competence or you know verbosity and everything. You can really tailor those communications and make people feel uh, special and relevant. Uh, you know, but re really, it's about focusing resources, you know, on the more value add, on the, on more higher end uh, type functions, and you using it for things like summarization and preparing that email response. You know, instead of writing the response, the agent spending that fifteen to thirty seconds customizing the email before it goes out. And it's also last thing, it's making sure that the information that's being sent through the bot is extremely relevant and focused on the question. So it doesn't stray, especially in what are called long tail issues, which are, you know, that 20% of uh, questions which are most difficult to answer and usually cause the, the bot to fail out or the customer to get frustrated. Right, right. Makes sense. Love that. So I love the applicability across broad use cases. Let's talk a little bit about the insurance industry specifically for a second. Traditionally, it's been a uh, cautious to adopt new techniques because insurance has put a big emphasis on explainability, fairness, and transparency over, you know, the, the best answer. Things like deep learning were never really adopted widely in the insurance industry. There's been decades of conversation around, is it okay to use someone's credit score to price their insurance? And, and you know, there's a lot of arguments to be made on, on both sides. So it's a it's a highly regulated industry. People are very cautious with the type of information they use um, to gain information about the customer. So could you talk a bit about, you know, OpenAI's approach to making sure the models are fair, transparent when they need to be transparent, not discriminatory, all the things that people both in insurance companies would be worried about, more importantly, the regulators would be asking all of the companies about when they adopt this type of technology to power their business. Yeah, that, that kind of call, you know, brings in the topic of why Microsoft? Because uh, like OpenAI developed some of those amazing technologies on the planet, right? You know, massive numbers of using uh, customers using ChatGPT and consumers using it also. You know, but bringing these models into Azure, you know, provides um, you know the insurance community basically the regulatory compliance uh, and the assurances that the regulatory standards are going to meet. Because Azure OpenAI service, you know, what's different about that? It's an Azure service. It comes in with all that regulatory compliance, uh, you know, that, that comes with all of the Azure services. So that's that's the first thing. Um, the second thing is these models are becoming increasingly um, less what we call hallucinogenic. You know, it used to be that they would fall astray very carefully. I mean, they still can be led astray. I mean, if someone has malicious intent, they can lead those models down a path. Uh, to come up with incorrect information or biased information. And I'll, I'll, I'll cover the third point in a moment here uh, about how we manage that. But uh, the models are being are increasingly more powerful in developing responses that are inherently less biased. You know, as the training data sets get larger and the ways of tr training these models becomes more sophisticated, you know, bias is less prevalent and, uh, and not as common. So the third thing is how do you actually manage a model? How do you you know, keep it constrained within the guardrails you want it to. And with ChatGPT and GPT-4, you know, and, and when you're training one of these models to, uh, that to be in your domain area like insurance, you not only give it examples, but you also, as I mentioned earlier, you constrain how you want it to act. And, and by doing so, you can tell it you need to be egalitarian and unbiased. You need to treat all customers equally in terms of the information that is uh, sent on. Uh, and then the, the last component is there are things called content filters 
you know, that go in and automatically detect cases where there may be, uh, you know, sexual content, hate speech. So even if the, the customer is misusing uh, the AI and trying to get it to come up with something that 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 information will not be allowed into the model and the information will not be allowed to exit the model. So it's in, it, it's intercepted prior to it being sent. So all these things in combination, you know, the regulatory compliance of working in Azure combined with these responsible AI controls, you know, make this a relatively safe technology to use. When I say relatively, there is work that still needs to be done, you know, by the uh, the insurance company, by their, their uh, systems integrator that they're working with, uh, to make sure that these models are actually trained and tuned to, you know, implement the guardrails that I'm talking about. So most uh, of the uh, companies that we're working with, and we are working broadly with a number of uh, insurance uh, companies, uh, carriers, is those that have very deep data science uh, benches, that have very strong AI organizations, you know, centers of excellence who work directly with the business units to utilize AI in some of these core use case areas. That makes sense. You know, so let's let's say I'm I am the regulator and, and I'm concerned about big insurance companies' use of models. I I believe what you're saying, but I just want to verify for myself that it's not biased. Do you think that that's something a human could actually solve, or do you think that you know that's an, actually another use case for OpenAI to say we, we we actually have a bias detection service that we've created on on behalf of regulators to to go out to to verify private enterprise use of this is is fair and, and in accordance with the law. Yeah, I mean, and, and this is where the ecosystem comes in, because, <clears throat> I mean, these models are, are changing very quickly. I mean, the, the prevalence of model hallucination and bias are going down substantially every time yeah. a new piece of these models come out. But there's also third-party companies uh, that are out there that are emerging yeah. to be able to look at. I mean, you, you, you read about things of like, uh, you know, a company coming up with a way to detect if, you know, a, uh, an essay that's written by ChatGPT is, in fact, you know, not written by the student. So the ecosystem will emerge, um, you know, to basically develop products that work in conjunction with these models. And so, you know, like the I, hey, we're, we're, we're talking uh, part of the ISV community on this particular call right now. I think the industry is going to really come up with very strong ways, you know, both in horizontal across all verticals, but, you know, specifically towards uh, industry verticals like financial services and insurance. Yeah, that makes a ton of sense, right? Like as people observe the problems, they go out and they solve the problems and that's how things mature. Cool. Good stuff. Well, uh, as we get closer to wrapping up here, Bob, I want to, uh, I want to turn your, your, get your viewpoints kind of looking a little more forward looking. So, uh, on the show, uh, a lot of episodes, I've got this crystal ball, and I'm going to take it out and, and ask you, let's, let's look at 2030. Um, where, where do you see things going with ChatGPT? Is this a technology where this is going to be, you know, say I'm a, I'm a customer, uh, a consumer, my personal shopper, it's going to help me with all aspects of my life, including finding the right insurance that meets all my needs? Uh, or could you see this as being something that, you know, every carrier is going to, could potentially deploy their own flavor of chat GPT. And so you may have a different experience depending on who you're, you're speaking with or, or could it be something totally different? Yeah, it's really interesting. I mean, uh, I've been in the industry a long time and I've been, you know, working on uh, the open AI at Microsoft, open AI models at Microsoft since July of 2021. And just looking at the advancements that have happened in la less than two years, you know, removing model bias, increasing the power of the models, 
Um, it's amazing the advances that have been made, you know, towards enabling, uh, you know, things like avatars, you know, companies out there right now that are building those. Um, but, you know, looking forward to, you know, basically uh, six and a half years out, you know, I, I do see uh, consumer metaverse, you know, we hear about the metaverse. I mean, the realities right. of that is you need to have extremely safe guardrailed uh, AI, you know, so if you, you know, I'm going to have myself represented on the on the public internet in in a metaverse, you know, uh, interacting with other people and uh, you know, uh, avatars and chatbots from you know insurance uh, carriers. I need to make sure that the uses are very responsible, that my responses are very tightly constrained as to how I want myself, you know, Bob, you know, projected out into in into the community, into the broad community. Um, but I, I, I do really believe that, you know, that far out, you, know, you will have personal shoppers. You will have each company having its own persona out there, its own avatar, its own bot. And I do see a world where I can have myself, you know, in, in my own uh, avatar out shopping for myself, you know, because it, it understands. It, I have trained it myself, you know, on where my properties are, what my personal situation is. I have four daughters. I buy a lot of insurance. I'm a great customer of the community <laughs> right now. I'll be frank with you. And uh, yeah, I do a lot of uh, you know claims because I have uh, we have a lot of car accidents in my family. So I can train my uh, my avatar, you know, to basically understand you know the types of policies that I'm looking for. Um, you know, I, I basically I have you know like basically can set up my own personal search algorithms to go in and utilize you know Azure Cognitive Search or Bing Search to really understand what I'm all about to make sure my avatar is very tightly constrained and it's updated on current events. These models they they, they really like GPT four September 2021. Anything after that it doesn't understand it. So you have to combine it with search technologies and other AI out there to make sure it's grounded. But all these things are certainly possible within six years. I mean, six years is an eternity in this space. What took six months, we're doing in six days, you know, in terms of new product releases and models. So the possibilities are pretty limitless in terms of what can be done. Um, pretty exciting stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. No, the avatars, virtual worlds, that uh, that all sounds very, very, very forward looking. But uh, yeah, I think as you're saying before, not as far off as, as maybe you think. Um, Bob, before uh, we wrap up here for today, anything else you, you'd like to add or share with our listeners? You know, it's just it's really interesting time right now, you know, because I mean, AI has has come out of the realm of, of data science and, and the way these models are built with increasingly powerful capabilities. They're much easier to take and customize for your particular uh, domain area, for your particular company. You know, it used to require model fine tuning and, you know, days and weeks and months of massive arrays of a supercomputer can be done by even smaller companies. So harnessing the power of AI is less costly and easier than it ever has been. It's you know, going from the realm of, you know, uh, data science and developers to business practitioners who can really do this. Yeah, exciting time to really be in this space. So we see you know, really a potential for, you know, vast proliferation throughout the industry. Awesome. Yeah, we're looking forward to it. And uh, I know Scott and, and your team there are, are huddling, or I think you will be pretty soon, get together exploring some potential collaborations, additional collaborations between Duck Creek and Microsoft. So I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to, to seeing what, what that might bring as well. 
Oh yeah, I mean, Duck Creek, one of our uh, very, very closest partners across the full spectrum of Microsoft and, and certainly in Azure and AI. So we really look forward to deepening the collaboration with Duck Creek and also the entire industry. Awesome. Well, thanks for joining us, Bob. Yep, thanks very much. Take care and thanks for having me. Absolutely. Thank you, Bob. Thank you all for tuning in today. You can learn more about our partnership with Microsoft by visiting duckcreek.com slash partner slash Microsoft. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to check out all of our other episodes. Follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and DuckCreek.com. We'll see you in the next episode.